Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Stand to your feet, turn your Bibles with me to the book of Nehemiah chapter 1. In three weeks we finished 2015, which means all the resolutions we made at the beginning of 2015... You know, that gym that you join, that you're still making monthly payments to, that you haven't visited since the second week of January. (laughs) You know, all that protein powder and workout fuel, super fuel, and sitting behind the Oreo cookies and the Chips Ahoy now. (laughs) We all started strong. We all started kind of focused and now kind of lost. I want you to know it's not too late. Slap your neighbor, tell him it's not too late. You can still finish strong. Whether it's your marriage, whether it's your finances, whether it's your body, whether it's your spiritual life, you still have the ability to, everyone say, to finish strong. Everyone say, finish strong. strong. We have to finish strong. In Nehemiah chapter 1, I want to read to you a couple verses that, uh, this is of a man by the name of Nehemiah who is the cupbearer to the king of Persia. Uh, His people, the Jewish people, have found themselves enslaved because of their idolatry and inability to follow the Word of God. I want you to know that whenever we don't follow the principles in the Word of God, we too will end up in bondage. Uh, Whether in our minds, our spirits, our relationships, we will end up in bondage too. And the children of Israel end up in physical bondage because of their choices After 70 years of bondage, God sets them free and they return home. And some of them return home to find that the walls of Jerusalem are totally destroyed and the gates have been burnt with fire. Nehemiah has been born into this captivity. He doesn't know what it is to be free. But he is raised in the ranks of the the, this new government, of this new regime. And as he's there, he's risen to the point to where he is like uh, the, the top secret service agent for the king. He is what they call the cupbearer. And the cupbearer is the one that tasted the wine before it was given to the king. So not only would he taste the wine, but he would make sure the process as they made the wine, how it was stored, who was in charge of it, because he didn't want to be drinking something that was poisoned because he didn't want to die. That this job was a place of respect. It was a place of honor. And Nehemiah working in this job, doing a good job, doing doing some good work. How many know Christians should be great workers? Please say it again, Pastor Dan. How many know Christians should be the best workers? You should show up early, leave late. You, You should be the best, highest qualified workers at your job. That when you leave, they should cry, not tears of joy, but tears of sadness. We should be the best. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 2. That Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, and he and certain men of Judah. And I asked him concerning the Jews that had escaped, and which were left in the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. Now, Nehemiah is in this place called that was Babylon, that the Persians defeated, which is modern-day Iraq. 
which is about a thousand miles away from this city called Jerusalem, where his family came from. Verse 3, he says, And they said to me, The remnant are left of the captivity there of the providence are, check this out, in great affliction and reproach. And the gates and the walls of Jerusalem are also broken down. Someone say broken down. And the gates thereof are burnt with fire. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. Looking good, by the way, man. You're losing some weight. Looking fine. Looking good. You're taking care of that boy, huh? No, he's taking care of himself. All right. You put that sweater on, came in this morning. Pastor Matt said, that sweater looks big on you. Because he's been losing a lot of weight. He said that your sweater used to be tight, and he's really getting himself. And we're really proud of him, really taking care of himself. Amen. We should celebrate those kind of things. Amen. Celebrate when you're you're taking care of the temple of God. Some of y'all are turning it into synagogues, but we want (laughs) to... want to make sure that we're taking care of the temple take care of the temple of God amen let's get back to the word let's get back to the word let's get back to the word bring it back bring it back finish strong finish strong someone say amen so I want you to notice something Nehemiah is in this town and he's taking care of the king until he hears about what's going on back home of his family of his ancestors And I want you to understand that there's more to being a Christian than attending church and giving tithes. Say it again, Pastor. There's more than going to church, being a Christian, than going to church. Some of you are like, I didn't know that tithing part, Pastor Dan. We understand that. But there's more than just coming to church and giving tithe. There's more to being a Christian than that. Jesus died for more than that. Jesus gave his life for something beyond that. Now, those things we should do, but there's more to it. I want you to notice the condition of this city. Notice this. It says, you read the word, it says afflicted. Everyone say affliction. Affliction. Notice what affliction means in the Hebrew. It means evil, disaster, misery, or calamity, or distressed. It's a state of unpleasant or unhappy existence. Constant and continual despair. How many of you know that there's some people living in affliction right now? That you don't have to have been taken over by another nation, defeated by another country, live in bondage. But there are some people that are in continual distress right now. There are some people that right now are in continual affliction. There are some people that are in constant misery right now. He goes on and says this. He says reproach. Everyone say reproach. Reproach is to taunt, to disgrace, to abuse, or to revile. Now the nation of Israel, although they're no longer in bondage... Or in captivity, physically, they're still in bondage mentally. I want you to understand, many of us right now, you are not in physical bondage. But you are in mental bondage. You are in in emotional bondage. And I need you to understand, this is the state of these people. They were living in a state of disgrace. Now, what's the difference between affliction and, and being in reproach? Affliction is when you're going through a struggle. Reproach is when people make fun of you while you're in the struggle. I don't know if you caught that. But reproach is that you are in such bad condition that people recognize it and they're calling you down. 
They're making fun of you. You know, you know those family members, you, it's holiday season. You go driving up and they're, they're in their brand new Lexus or their Mercedes and your car is held together with duct tape. You, you, got, you, got to, you got to step on the gas about four or five times. You got to, you know, hold your left arm up as you're turning the key and turn the steering wheel a quarter turn in order to get it started. There, there are certain things that you're in reproach where they make fun of you because they may be better off financially. But I'm here to tell you that we all go through affliction. We all, you might be doing well financially, but you're struggling relationally. You might be well financially, but you find yourself struggling with addiction. You might be good in, in one area of life, but we all have another area of affliction that we're going through. So we all are just trying to get by in our lives. But it's even deeper than that. Not only are they in that situation, but they're broken as well. Take a look at this. To, this means to breach or to break through. You remember that time when you and your wife were so tight that your relationship was so close together, but now over the years, all of a sudden, you got some brokenness in the marriage. And what's taking place is that the concept isn't just to have a hole in the wall where you can see through. It literally means that the whole wall has been destroyed. That there's not even one brick laying upon another. It's been totally ravished, totally destroyed. The walls have been broken down and the walls are what protected them. The walls are the thing that the enemy would have to get over. It was an obstacle, obstacle to keep the enemy from being able to easily walk in. In every one of our families, there should be a wall that we have built to protect our family, to protect our household, protect our marriage, to protect our minds. We should have a wall that protects us. But this wall has been totally leveled and also it's been burned. Someone say burned. I want you to notice it means to burn or to kindle with fire. But the purpose of this fire isn't just a flame. It's a fire of judgment. That these, the fire has literally destroyed the gates. There's not even a plank that's left. A burn, a, this thing has been burnt to ashes. And the gates are what regulate what comes in and what goes out. The gates of a city determine who comes in. And who comes out. And in many of our lives, we need... The, the fathers are usually the doorkeepers of a home. The fathers are the doorkeepers. They're the gates that don't allow certain things to come in. They're the gates that allow certain things to come in and certain things not to come in. The husband's the one that watches over the house. He's the gatekeeper. Come on, somebody. Now listen to me. I love, I love you and I love God. But if someone comes through my gate unannounced... I'm going to protect my family because I'm the gatekeeper. I'm going to protect my home. These gates have been burnt with fire to the point where now anyone can walk in. They are open to any enemy coming against them. And some of our families, the gates have been burnt. You're not even watching anymore, Dad. You're not even watching anymore, Father. You're not even concerned about who comes in and who comes out. You have been so burnt out. You've been so distressed by the things that have gone on. You're not even watching anymore who's coming in. And we wonder why our families are in the situations that they are in today. You see, the same is true today. We live in a nation right now that is afflicted, that is a reproach, that has the walls that have been broken down, gates burnt with fire. 
with the tragedy recently that has taken place in San Bernardino, what's taking place there in France, the things that are going on, the upheaval that's happening in this world right now. There, it causes, we can't sit down and bury our heads and act like there's nothing going on. There has to be a people that rises up, a people that says, this is where it stops. We can't allow the walls to continue to lay in ashes. And some of you woke up this morning to see empty bottles that reminded you of the the failure you had last night. You see that lady, that man that's not your husband or wife that you woke up next to, that you realize that is a reminder of the walls that have fallen in your life, the gates that have been burnt with fire. You see the constant reminders of the drug paraphernalia that you once got high on a couple days ago, still sitting there to remind you of your failure. Your wife didn't say good morning. Your kids are mad at you because you offended them and you never apologized. And so you still see the reminder of your failure each and every morning. This is what's going on in Jerusalem. Every time they get up out of their houses, they walk out and they see the walls destroyed. Walls that used to protect them are now down. Gates that used to regulate have been burnt with fire. Total devastation, and yet they lived like this for 140 years. Oh, come on, somebody. Some of you are saying, Pastor, I've been living like this for 70 years. I've been living like this for 80 years. I've been living like this for 40 years. I'm here to tell you, it's going to stop. I'm here to tell you that the time to rebuild those walls has come. I'm here to tell you that the Lord is with you and you don't have to live in that reproach and that affliction any longer. I'm here to tell you that there's people around you that are going to come alongside you and they're going to help you start putting things and start taking that rubble and start taking those things and putting them back together again. Oh, come on, somebody. That marriage that was falling apart is going to come back together. That body that was falling apart is going to get healed. That mind that was in depression is going to break through. I'm here to tell you that that season now to build has come. And the walls are symbolic of protection and the gates are symbolic of control. Now, I want you to notice what happens is that he hears the condition of the people. And when Nehemiah hears what's going on, this is what he does. He hears and he goes straight to his knees. Many times when we hear about problems that go on, we start giving our critique on it. We start talking about it. We start We start giving our commentary on it, and we start trying to figure it out instead of taking it directly to God. Nehemiah went straight to God as soon as he found out what was going on. Now, I want you to understand the condition of the people drove him to his knees. It moved him. Listen to me, CWC. I want you to understand something. Are you moved by the condition of this world? You were not saved just to be able to enjoy your job, your 401k, to enjoy your flat screen television in your comfortable house while the world outside is dying, while everything in your life is going well. That's not Christianity. That's not God. 
That was never God's intention. That was never God's purpose. That was never God's plan. The church was never meant just to meet and have a service and go home. The church was supposed to be the solution bearers, the people that transformed the city and brought about change. I'm here to tell you something, that Nehemiah is, is operating great. This guy's walking around in Armani suits. He's there in silk. He's driving the finest cars. He has his own parking place at the mansion. This guy is everything is going great but when he hears a condition of those that he loves when he hears a condition of the city it moves him and he hears a condition of people that are a thousand miles away from him it moves his heart I'm here to tell you church that we have to be moved by the people of our city we have to be moved Listen to me. Well, what was he saying? He was a Jew and he looks over at people that he had nothing to do with, yet realizing they're not just people, they're my people. I'm here to tell you that the kids getting shot on the street are not those people, they're our people. That the homeless under the bridge are not those people. They're our people. Oh, somebody got to hear me right now. Those people that are struggling to get by to find something to eat. Those individuals are not those people. They're our people. We have a responsibility. It's not about just getting by and having success. Our success has to mean something. You were not created to make a living. You were created to make a difference. It moves him. Look what happens in verse 5. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Notice, Notice what's happening here. I don't know about you, but whenever my kids come up to me and say, Oh, great dad, you are wonderful and caring. You always keep your promises. Whenever we do good, you bless us. How many know I'm being set up? How many know that that I'm about to be asked for something? But listen, what Nehemiah is doing, he's reminding God of his promises. But let me submit this to you. You cannot remind God of of the promises if you don't know what the promises are. Some of you don't know you have a right to healing. Some of you don't don't realize that you have a right to be free from depression. Some of you don't realize that you have a right to to have a whole marriage. Some of you don't realize that your family has a right to be together. That God has spoken and God has given promises upon the people of God. And that you have a right to these things. But you cannot remind God of the promises if you don't know the promises. And all the promises are found in his word. But Nehemiah takes the condition of the people personally. We got to take the condition of our family personally. Listen, let, let, let's step away from even the city of what's going on in France or, or the, the, the world in France and even what's going on in California and San Bernardino. How about bringing it back home to your own home? That we have a responsibility for the people. They're not those people. They're my people. That we must make a difference at home first. Now, I want you to notice what happens. He takes the condition of the people personally. And I shared this in the first service. Stand up, God. That's, uh, 
That's his name for, for this service, okay? Uh, Chach is God right now. Nehemiah takes this burden. His brother, Pastor Matt, if you can, just real, real quick, uh, stand with me. This is what happens. Nehemiah is doing a great job. He's working his job. He's, he's taking care of things. He's serving the king, and he's doing it with excellence. It's a place of honor. Then he talks to his brother, Hananiah. Hananiah tells him about the problems that are going on in, in, in Israel. He takes the problems, the burden, from his brother. Thank you. He takes this burden, and then he begins to pray. It, it's a, how many of you have ever been burdened before? It just weighs you down. It tires you out. I don't know if you've ever gone through any kind of mental anguish, worried about a relationship, worried about your finances, worried about someone's sickness, worried about where, where you're going to stay, how you're going to get, we lost a job. You got a burden on your life. and you try, How am I going to get by? That burden just tires you out. You wake up. You could have slept 12 hours and you wake up tired. And you're just weary, and it just holds you down. And what Nehemiah does through praying is he does this. He takes the burden, and he goes, and he gives it to God. And it doesn't mean that Nehemiah doesn't care about the burden. But he realizes that if I hold on to this, it's going to kill me. And some of you are carrying around a burden for your family, your children, for your finances, for your body, for your community. And you're carrying this around. And, it's, and, and people are looking at you. And you have a great heart of love. But you're dying because you're carrying something you were never created to carry. You were created to carry the presence of God, not burdens. And so what he does is he gives the burden to God. And see, this is the difference. This is what happens. He gives the burden to God and he focuses in on God, not the burden. And many of our lives, we give the burden to God and all we do is keep staring at the burden. All we focus in on is the burden. But when I give a burden to God and I focus in on God, I forget the burden. Because God cares more about the burden than I do. God cares for your kids more than you do. God cares for your finances more than you do. God cares for your body more than you do. God cares for your mind more than you do. God cares for you more than you do. And so he, he gives it to God. And then what ends up happening is just something amazing happens. God gives it back to him. But guess what? When God gives it back, it's not a burden any longer. It's a vision. And so the difference is a burden weighs me down, but a vision drives me. Vision pushes me. Vision gets me out of bed. I got something to do right now. I got, so, I got a plan. I got to get to work here. I'm here to tell you that the things that God has called you to are greater than the problems and the burdens that you're carrying around. If you would take the burden and give it to God and then focus in on God, God will give you the burden back in the form of a vision. Oh, come on, somebody. See... Nehemiah understood my success and my position isn't for my own well-being. If all we're doing is enjoying our success, then we're missing what success is all about. Bless you. Success is bigger than just enjoying life. 
If only one that is enjoying your success is you, you're not successful. Because if all it's doing is making you comfortable, then you're missing out on what true success is all about. True success is about touching others, by helping others. Now, I want you to understand where, look look with me. I'm going to close here in a second. Stay with me. Amen. Verse 1 of chapter 2. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan that the 20th year of Artaxerxes, that the king, that wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now, I had never been before time sad in his presence. He's saying he's always done his job with excellence. He's always served greatly. He's always done no matter. He's never been sad. And why wouldn't he be sad? Because if he's sad in front of the king, he could die. Why? Because if he's sad before the king, king thinks this dude's trying to kill me. There's probably something in the wine and he knows I'm about to, I'm about to do something. So the king's going to kill him and not even drink the drink. But this time he's sad because he's never been sad before. And the king recognizes it. Because he did his job with excellence, it opened up door to favor in his life. Some of you are asking for favor at work and you don't do your job. You want days off. You want, you want part time. You want this. You want raises. And you show up late. You leave early. You talk about the work, the, the bosses. You're always hanging out. You're, they always have to come back and tell you to get to work. Listen, you're never going to have the door of favor open up in your life until you begin to do your work with excellence. I want to encourage you right now. If you're part of CWC, you call this place home, you should be the best worker at that job. That when it gets around that CWC has someone to hire, that you're the first person that they want to hire because you're from this church, because they know that they're people of quality. Come on, somebody say amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come help me as we close this morning. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 of chapter, chapter 2. And he said unto the king, let the king live forever. Now, he's just hoping, king, don't kill me. Let the king live forever. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, let, let nothing ever bad happen to you is what he's saying. And he says this, why should I, my countenance not be sad? He's telling the king, king, how can I enjoy life with you? With all of this when my family is dying. When my family's distraught, when my family's destroyed, how can I enjoy this when that's going on? He recognizes the devastation that's taking place. But Nehemiah understands something. Just like the prodigal son, Nehemiah has an awakening. Everyone say awakening. He has a realization that success, this position, what I'm doing right here, as he's serving the king, this, dude, this guy's getting the best wine that's available. He's eating from the best table. This guy's being taken care of. He has a plush job. He's sitting next to the most powerful man in the world. He has the ear of the king. He's able to glean from the king's judgments and rulership. And as he's standing there and all this is going on, he has this access 
Some of you don't understand that right now you're looking at your job and you're upset about what you're doing because it's all about the king and it's not about you. But I'm here to tell you something right now that God is giving you access. You're dealing with people. You're getting access to rulers. You're getting access to wisdom. You're getting access to things that if you had been in any other job, you never would have been able to hear. But right now, as you just take the cup and you give it to the king, you are not just doing a job. You are serving the king of kings. Do it well. And he has an awakening and he realizes something. How can I be happy when my people are in bondage? When they're addicted? When they're broken? When they're burnt? When they're lost? When they're abused? How can we enjoy life when we know that there's someone that's hurting? I'm not trying to bring you down today. It's like, come on, Pastor Dan, we're heading into Christmas. Exactly. Because there's no other time that we have an awakening as to our responsibility to love our fellow man. I mean, all our fellow man. Even the Islamics were made in the image of God. They're still his children. And we have to, as we protect ourselves, we also have to keep in mind We have to love one another. It's not about just black lives matter. All lives matter. Every life matters. Your life matters. Your children's life matters. The person down the street matters. Every individual was created. When I read the book of Genesis and I see that God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground and blew his breath into him, it said God made man in his image and in his likeness. It doesn't say Mexican. It doesn't say Asian. It doesn't say white. It doesn't say Italian. It says he made man. Man. Man, everyone you run into is part of the human race. Jesus said, you will know that they are my disciples by your love. It's time for love to rise up. I'm not talking, if that means, you know, getting a meal for someone that's hungry, do it. The Bible says, as long as it's in your hand to do it, do it. I want to encourage you, meet a need this week. Amen? Amen. You know, instead of going to buy that $6 cup of Starbucks, mine usually costs eight. Six shots are expensive, I'm just telling you. I need to go to Lydia's place. She gives them to me for free. But I'm here to let you know that you are created to be the solution You're not the problem, no matter what your mom and dad said. You are the solution, not the problem. You were created to be the solution, not the problem. That's where Nehemiah has his awakening. I could fix that. I have the resources with the king. I have the ability with what I've heard over the years to fix the problem. Folks, I want you to know everything you've gone through, every battle that you faced has been preparing you to fix the problem. Bow your heads with me. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.